1: This is slightly terrifying, but the crowd was amazing. They would, you know, boo things, they would cheer things, and I didn't really know, necessarily know exactly why they were doing that.
0: 27 million people last year watched the live World Championship final of Riot Games' ultra-popular esport video game League of Legends. In contrast, this year's FA Cup final was watched by 7 million people on the BBC. But 2015's League of Legends World Championship is being held in part at London's Wembley Arena. It too is now being broadcast by the BBC. It's time we check in with esports to see where we're at in terms of their acceptance by the mainstream and how their popularity in Europe is developing. What's the BBC's investment as of this year? What's the UK's contribution to the sports development? And above all else, what the hell is a Pentakill? To discuss this and more, I am going to be joined on this episode not by Mr. Ian Morris, who's away, but Philippa War, an eSports expert and writer for Rock Paper Shotgun. Philippa, welcome to the show.
1: No worries.
0: We're talking, obviously, League of Legends, we're talking World Championship 2015, um, but key for us, I think, before we get into this, is to have a quick overview of what exactly an eSports is classed as today.
1: So eSports are basically organised competitive gaming, so that's, you know, that's why people pay attention to tournaments and leagues and things like that. It's that, that sort of superstructure of organisation is, is a big part of what makes an eSport
0: and it's it's essentially, um, for want of a better expression, it is the gaming equivalent of a football team. These are generally done as teams. They're done competitively, and in fact are being held at Wembley Arena. Is that is that accurate?
1: certainly with regards to league of legends that's a really helpful way of thinking about it other games it's more of an individual pursuit so for example in starcraft that's when you get like a single person competing against another single person but yeah for things like league of legends for dota 2 for smite you know there's you get teams competing against other teams and it it really helps to sort of think in regards to traditional like offline sports
0: what is league of legends can you sort of describe how the game functions
1: it's a competitive multiplayer game it's part of a genre called MOBAs which is multiplayer online battle arena it's kind of it's a, a an acronym that kind of means everything and nothing so I don't find it hugely helpful but essentially what you've got is you've got your battle arena and it's got three lanes that lead from one base to another you've got the top one Middle one and the bottom one. And in between the lanes, you've got areas of woodland with uh, neutral monsters that you can kill for experience and gold, and that's called the jungle. And along the lanes, you've got other little minions that spawn and, and run down there and have a little fight at the midpoint. And uh, you can also kill your enemies, ones of those for for experience and gold. It's five people versus five people uh, on this particular type of map, and uh, each one of those will have like a different role, and sort of that's why you'll you'll see people talk about top or mid laner or jungler, you know, things like that. And support is is someone who keeps the carry player safe. You know, it's things like that, and you you see that in the the items that they pick up. You know, they they sort of help them fulfill those roles and and yeah, it's, it's and it's also a certain amount of responding to what the other team is doing for example if you need to protect yourself because the other team is a bit further ahead that will affect what you what you do how you move how you play that kind of thing
0: the bottom line is this is massive like this is a a, a multiplayer game being held at Wembley Arena and broadcast by the BBC i mean how does this play out i mean what do people what are people watching in this scenario
1: so it's interesting because um, it was at Wembley for the quarterfinals. It's now actually moved to Brussels for the semi finals uh, this, this weekend at the time of recording. And then in the finals, it's going to move along to Berlin, which is where uh, Riot is now based in Europe. Um, so they'll be holding holding the grand final on, on Halloween, actually. I'm trying to convince them to take the um, the Summoner's Cup. That's the big trophy, like trick-or-treating, because I reckon we could get a lot of candy in there.
0: But what are people watching? So they're going to Wembley Arena. I mean, what exactly are they seeing? Is it kind of like when you go and see a sort of an electronic DJ like the Chemical Brothers and you're basically watching two dudes with laptops on a stage Is that kind of how this looks in real life?
1: So the setup at Wembley was, um, so you'll go in and at one end of the arena, there's obviously the stage. And on that stage, there's... a bank of, you know, 10 PCs sort of slightly separated in the middle. So you've got the five um, guys from one team on the left and five people from the other team on the right. Uh, and so there's a lot of, you know, graphics that tell you who they're playing, what their name is, you know, that's that's on the front of the booths. And then above that sort of visible to the entire arena is this massive, massive screen that actually shows you the, uh, the in-game camera that actually tells you sort of where everyone is on the map. And it's also got a lot of um, extra information that uh, you wouldn't necessarily see in the game because you'd be looking from your particular character's point of view and would only have access to a small amount of that information. But so... The, the extra things that you can see as a, as a spectator is, you know, the mini map on the bottom right where it actually tells you where everybody is on the map at any given time. So you can actually see people moving around in order to um, to set up attacks or to run away from things or, you know, that, that level of positioning is really interesting to keep track of. You can also see the uh, items that every player has. So you can actually tell who's ahead, who's a bit behind, what kind of um, specialism that that they're uh specking their character for um and you also get like little face cams from time to time on the individual players so you can catch moments of you know concentration frustration jubilance you know all of that kind of stuff and so. are we
0: talking in-game <laughs> character faces and emotes or are we talking real life we're character? talking real
1: life you know they, they've got a camera above uh, each of their monitors that actually focuses on their faces and so uh riot sometimes you know pull those out if something noteworthy's happened or you know if somebody was doing something <laughs> amazing. And, and,
0: and how many people roughly attend this in person
1: oh gosh um
0: i mean this the the, the, the arena looks pretty full when i've when i've looked at, at photographs like it's it might yeah. not it's it's pretty big there's not much space left
1: I wouldn't know them off the top of my head simply because I don't know the capacity of uh, Wembley Arena, but it looked pretty full. I'm not sure how much of it was sort of sectioned off by the staging. If it helps in terms of like uh, viewership and stuff, to give you an idea, like last year, the uh, total unique viewers for the finals was like 27 million, I think.
0: The FA Cup final which was on the BBC this year had mm. an audience of 9 million watching live which is you know it's not it, it's it's less than half what this is getting globally with mm. a it, staggering difference that that there are you know three three or four times more people watching this last year's final for League of Legends as watched the FA Cup final on the BBC mm. You can see why people are getting interested in terms of uh, sponsorship opportunities and things. Um, <laughs> but that's not something that we're, we're going to talk about today. But one other thing I did wanted to, to ask just in relation to how this compares to a traditional sports match is that there are commentators, right? And people are commentating on these games live just as they would with any regular sport.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, you have analysts. Is that
0: crucial? And... It seems quite crucial because I've watched some of these videos and <laughs> they 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 blow my mind. You know, I, I consider myself a pretty dedicated gamer, but sometimes I find myself baffled at some of the 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 uh, some of the terminology involved, and it feels <laughs> that the commentators do a very good job of of breaking some of this stuff down in real time.
1: It's an interesting one because if you know the games well enough, you can watch them, you know, you could watch it on mute and know what was going on. Um, same as with something like like with football, you know, you could you could probably watch it with the sound off and just, you know, you'd, you'd know the match, you'd know the players, you'd know, you know, what was going on and how it affected uh, their standing in the league just by sort of keeping an eye on it. Um, and where the casters and the commentators come in, um that sort of helps you unpick it at, at a at a higher level, particularly if you don't necessarily have that knowledge yourself. Maybe you're familiar with the game, but you know, you're not familiar with exactly what the heck just happened because, you know, it happens so fast and you'd need to sort of watch it slow down a bit or with pauses and and sort of unpick it a bit. Whereas the the casters actually can can do that or can usually do that quite quite quickly or um, Riot provides a facility for you getting a, like a little replay uh, a few minutes later, you know, when when the actions cool down a little bit and you can actually they watch it through slightly slower and unpick what the heck just happened. Um, and then after matches, you get a lot of analysis and, and um expert commentary from the people who weren't casting match who were just watching and can give it a bit more context so it's it's a lot of helpful context and breaking um, down the action that may have been you know a bit too quick to follow or you might have missed bits and pieces Uh, and so that's that's what it adds Um, but I would say if you if you know the game well enough you can you can also follow it without that stuff.
0: And do you need to be a player of League of Legends to really enjoy this or get something out of it because you don't need to play football in order to enjoy watching football mm. but for me it feels like you do need at least from my perspective I, I feel like I need to at least be pretty familiar with the game in order to watch one of these and, and be able to join in with the excitement.
1: It's interesting because I think, I mean, I don't actually play much League of Legends, but I watch a lot of League of Legends. And I've also played a lot of a game that's very similar to it in terms of what people are trying to do and the uh, map setup and things. Um, And so I didn't really find it much of a leap. But I think that a lot of that was to do with already being comfortable just with the style of game. Um, Mm. and then what you do is you, you look up what the individual champions actually do and you start to sort of watch that play out and, um, I think when you when you go to one of these events in person, I think you can very much go and get something out of it just because of the excitement of the crowd and uh, the sort of the very human emotion that is, yeah. that is unfolding around you.
0: That's actually something I was going to ask you, which is that there's a big difference between attending one of these in person and sort of switching to watching on live in, in, on the side of your screen. I'm assuming the people who are going are much more interested in the game than the people who are just watching online
1: Mm, i think that that's true to a large extent but you also like when i was at the uh at the Wembley leg of it last week, um, you did see quite a few parents bringing children along uh, who didn't necessarily know much about the game, but obviously would still need to be there. And I think that as somebody who... So my first League of Legends event was the All-Star event that they had in Paris in 2014. And I hadn't ever really written about it before. I didn't really know who any of the champions were. You know, Dota was my game. So I was like okay, this is slightly terrifying. But the crowd was amazing. Like the French crowd was absolutely enamored with the game. They would, you know, boo things. They would cheer things. And I didn't really know, necessarily know exactly why they were doing that. But sort of, it really got me interested in finding out more and also just sort of helped get something out of the experience while I was there, even if I wasn't entirely sure the actual plays and I wasn't invested in any of the teams.
0: I see, I see. Now it's for me it feels very significant that this is being played out at Wembley, that it's being broadcast by the BBC. Is this the first time that this has happened in the UK to this extent?
1: In the UK, yes. I think in uh, for the Dota World Championships version, you know, the international, uh, in 2013, that was broadcast on Swedish TV. And I think that ESPN have done a few uh, of these uh, broadcasts. I'm not 100% sure how much of that was was easy to access, how much was online versus, you know, broadcast to one of their actual uh, TV channels. Um, but it's, it, it feels like mainstream broadcasting has been sort of dipping their toes in for a little while now. Um, and this is and this yeah. is a
0: toe dipping moment in in that it's it's BBC Three, it's not BBC One, and, mm. and BBC Three obviously has a, a very large youth demographic, a much younger demographic. Mm. Um, one of the reasons that it switched to being online only is because I think more than half the viewership for BBC Three was actually happening online rather than on terrestrial TV. So that to me says a lot about the the target audience that it's it's young and it's it's more savvy with modern ways of consuming media a youtube twitch and things mm. like that as opposed to we're going to put on the tv and go down the pub although that's <laughs> not to, obviously there there are for those people not aware there are bars and 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 pubs and things that have that do broadcast this mm. in uh in in various ways but the fact that it's bbc3 strikes me as saying this is uh, a, a toe-dipping moment and maybe this is the kind of thing that if Pickup is quite good. We could see this transitioning onto other channels um, perhaps next year. I mean, do you think that's likely at all?
1: I think that BBC Three made sense, certainly, as you're saying, in terms of the demographic. Uh, I think. Um, something that I found really interesting was that they didn't just go okay we're we're super not sure about this we'll we'll just cover it a bit and see what happened it felt like they really committed to covering it you know they they um, had their sports team come in and and uh, do the the event side of things uh, and sort of I think they were the ones that you know they, they used the same um, platform i think as they did for covering like glastonbury but also major sports events
0: yeah i mean i'm Um, look i've pulled it up on on the bbc's website right now and it's it's you know it's it's got a proper full-on hub on the website bbc3 sport big logo Hosts and casters breakdown videos, which is, in fact, where I saw yourself. Um, and, and crucially, a glossary of terms, which you don't tend to see on sports pages quite as readily. Um, but this does have uh, a, a quite useful breakdown of common terminology for for things such as tanky and squishy and first blood. Um, yeah. Which uh quite useful. But I can also imagine someone who has no idea what this is looking at this and going, what the hell have you know has multi kill and dragon and Baron got to do with BBC Sport? What's happening? <laughs> what's happening to my Britain? Hashtag broken Britain, progressive Britain.
1: <laughs> There's, um, I like the the fact that they did sort of do a lot to try and uh, unpick what it all means because I think going back to what we were saying earlier about um, whether. It, you could so if you watch a lot of football you don't necessarily play football I think with this you can you can watch League of Legends without playing League of Legends but the barrier to entry is often the terminology um, or that forms a massive barrier to entry because you might not necessarily know yeah things like flex picks or pentacles or you know any of that kind of stuff and so Mm. I think that that, uh, glossaries can be really useful and I think they also had a few sort of intro videos that explained what the, the importance of those big neutral monsters like the dragon and the baron actually are. I think from the bits that I did see it did a little bit of that thing where they explained the really hyper specific League of Legends stuff in terms of sort of more basic gaming terminology but i don't necessarily think that gaming terminology is still an easy thing to unpick if you if you aren't familiar with games at all uh Hmm. so i I think that maybe that could have been a bit of a sticking point if you were somebody who was just like what is this league of legends i don't play computer games
0: historically i mean at least for me it's always been quite strongly suggested that countries such as south korea and and china tend to be the prevalent or most prevalent uh top performers and certainly as far as fans go they they seem to be very heavily appreciated in in those countries how good is the uk and europe how how much are we contributing to the advancement of this sport this game and 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 these championships
1: I'd say the UK isn't particularly a power player in terms of esports, uh, but there are um, there are players definitely who uh, are from the UK who have done you know decently. I think that the the point about different regions is generally one of technological access, like the um, the South Korean side of things. I think you can read a lot more about it in the book. Um, Raising the Stakes by T.L. Taylor, um, but she she goes into quite a lot of detail about the uh, the government-funded technological uh, advancements that were made that sort of underpinned uh, South Korean access to gaming and gaming cafes and sort of that uh, that allowed um, competitive gaming to take off in the way that it did, uh, whereas in for example, Europe and particularly the UK, that wasn't something that happened. So it's a it's a kind of it's it's a confluence of uh, of events that I think made made it a bit more possible or a bit more likely in particular regions. Um, but at the moment, actually, so the uh, the semi-finals uh, yesterday's semi-final saw the the dominant Korean team go through to the final. SKT, but they were facing off against Origin, which is a European team. Um, And today's semi final, so the thing that I'm going to watch after we finish doing this, is also between a South Korean team and uh, a European team. And for my money, edit this out if i'm completely wrong but i really do think that it'll be a, a the south korean team facing off against the european team that's playing today um because they well, in, just, in the final yeah yeah i, I do think it'll be a, a korea versus eu final um because fanatic which is the team i'm talking about they just look so strong and they've played amazingly and yeah i'm i'm really keeping my fingers crossed for that one
0: Well, one last question uh, before we we wrap up. Um, Mm -hmm. I'm very curious to know your opinion on whether eSports and whether that's League of Legends or, or some other type of similar game should be taught in schools. I mean, we are told to play sport in schools and we are trying to think of new and interesting ways to get kids interested in computing in various forms and it seems to me that there is a, a possibility here that this could be beneficial in teaching some sort of alternative to sports for our, our future our future leaders <laughs> where would you where would you stand on that
1: it's something that I hadn't really thought about much but I think that um if you've got I think that something like an esports club could be really interesting for, for kids because uh, I I do think that it's perhaps a way to teach teamwork or teach sort of thinking about how to act in response to, you know, particular things so for example if you're in a in a situation you you know you could present kids with like okay so you've got this level character you've got these items you're in this particular situation what do you think you should do you know that could be that could be an interesting way of, of approaching problems I think as well like it could be a good way of um, keeping women playing and I know that that might sound weird, but i one of the things that I'm interested in is the points at which maybe girls stop feeling like gaming is their their domain. You know if that happens, you know it might be a thing that's changing but
0: um I mean are there a lot of women that play League of Legends in these tournaments?
1: No, none there are none in the um in the in the uh in world at all. um you know that's not to say there are no League of Legends players who are women it's it's just that the if you look at the stage it's it's entirely male dominated so um i i really would like to see that change and and I, this is actually one of the things that uh you'll have seen if uh you saw the the video thing that i did for the bbc because they did actually ask me mm. about why that is and it's it's one of those things where it's like it's kind of everything and nothing because ostensibly esports and gaming is a meritocracy if you get good enough you you know you get access to these things but it's that only happens if you don't sort of get uh, tripped up by one of the many other bits of the puzzle so you know where uh, the point at which girls and boys get access to technology you know what age is that is there a gap because if there's a gap then that's when you know if there's you know a gap of a year if a guy has spent a year getting um getting good building up that muscle memory getting hundreds of hours of experience of a thing then you know that that's going to have a knock-on effect just in terms of, of experience with a platform or with a game or with a genre um similarly it's things like comfortable comfortableness with voice communications with whether you're happy to to actually sort of dive in and and start chatting and you know i this is just totally anecdotal but i and some of my friends just really aren't comfy with it you know even if everybody's perfectly nice you usually get like or i usually get a comment that says oh a girl you know or Mm. and it's just the sort of thing that you know it's 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 not mean. It's not, you know. It's it's, it's, it's genuine but
0: it's, surprise.
1: But it's and it calls attention to you in a way that nobody else seems to get. And so you know, and then that makes you a bit self conscious, or you know, so it's things like that. It's things like, um, you know, whether you see any other women in the scene. So you know, you're like, is this a thing that is for me, or you know, it's there's just so many like, just tiny tiny moments that can that can build into maybe a a problem but you know they're not necessarily things that the game developers can fix it's you know some of them are societal um Mm. but yeah so that's why I bring up the the esports clubs because I've I it's one of the things that I did mention to a different MOBA developer and was just kind of like you know maybe if you get involved with schools and and sort of keep that interest alive or kind of keep normalizing you know equal numbers of boys and girls playing together but then again you know you do run into problems where it's like because these games are proprietary things they're owned by a particular company then it's like are you priming kids as consumers for a particular um a particular company over another or you know that's what
0: i call the microsoft office conundrum
1: (laughs) and so yeah so i i i I think there are a lot of problems that could arise as a result of it, but I think that there are also some some really interesting things that it may have to impart. So maybe an esports club in the same way that you could have a board games club, you know?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think that uh, it, it's a really valid point. It's It's one that I think any any of us or any people listening who have followed the, the the gaming world, it's always an issue that that comes up. And it always feels like every now and again we sort of get an, a, a little step forward in, in sort of broadening out the acceptability of all sexes and ages playing these games. But I agree that, that there's still a, a big problem in, in terms of comfortability, uh, if that is indeed a term. Yeah. Um, <laughs>
1: I couldn't think of it. I was like, comfortability? Comfort. Comfort, that's the word.
0: It's good English. We know (laughs) what we mean. Therefore, it is good English. Um, But you can see Philippa's video um, on that particular topic. If you do a search for Philippa War on eSports events and women in gaming, BBC, um, you'll find her video uh, that uh, is on the BBC website for that um philippa this has been absolutely fascinating and uh, i and i'm sure everyone listening is extremely grateful um last two quick little bits um number one if somebody is interested in getting into league of legends or mobas in in general how should they go about starting and secondly where should they find you if they want to get in touch with yourself or talk about this further
1: uh, okay. It's a
0: double-barreled question.
1: <laughs> Let's start with how they get into these kinds of games. So, um, generally, if you sign up uh, and you know create an account, you log in. The first thing that they generally do is give you a bit of a tutorial. So, certainly, League of Legends, like it just talks you through the basics. But after that, I find it super helpful to look up um, you know YouTube videos or people explaining a little bit more or ask questions on the subreddit, you know that kind of thing. Um, also. I know I work there, but uh, at Rock, Paper, Shotgun, they have quite a few friendly sort of gaming communities. So if you go on the forums, you can generally sort of find people who want to impart knowledge or, you know, maybe even get a, a little group together who's happy to play. Um, so that's kind of cool. Um mm-hmm. And uh, as as for where you can find me, uh, I'm at Philippa War on Twitter, which is P H I L I P P A W A W R. So yeah, or you can find me on RPS and send me an email by clicking uh, the link under my name, I believe, or on my name. It might be a name link.
0: Philippa War, there, an esports expert, uh, which she has demonstrated very adeptly on this week's show and writer for Rock Paper Shotgun. Now, Ian will, all being well, be back next week. We'll have a regular show for you then. Until then, please continue to keep the reviews coming on iTunes. Um, We're well over 100 five-star reviews now, which is just absolutely incredible. Um, Words don't really do justice to how grateful I am. Uh, And Ian is, and indeed other listeners should be, because... This is what gets the show known. This is more valuable to us than any real money uh, through the post, anything else. In fact, the reviews are what uh, really kind of keep the show and the momentum for the show really going in, uh, in the podcast stores. And obviously, the more listeners we can get on our side the better the show's future will be. So please do keep those coming on iTunes. Obviously, anything you've heard this week you want to comment on, podcast at NateLengson.com is where you can send them or to at text message pod on Twitter. And until next week, toodle pipski.
1: Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince.